I have two questions for you. One just by way of sort of introduction, and I, uh, Nina was telling you a little bit about our staycation, and I mentioned that I, I would like to comment on that. Uh, have any of you ever cursed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. Can I see all those hands? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not this week. I am not given to cursing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when, I, uh, when I came to the Lord, there were certain things that I just understood. Um, and, and certainly it, w it, would have been, it would have been the expectation in terms of Christian living and holiness and so forth in the church that I was attending at the time, that you quit smoking and that you quit drinking and that you gave up drugs and, you know, and I running around and having sex with multiple people outside of your marriage and, and cursing. You don't curse. And I successfully gave up all of that just, you know, pretty quickly. I mean, drugs were no longer an issue. Cursing hasn't been an issue. During our staycation, while I was working on some of these projects, let, let, let me just give you one. We're, we're, we're wrapping up. Actually, some of the project work has, has extended now into this past week. So I'm already off vacation, and I'm needing to finish up that basement wall that Nina referred to. And uh, we tried to do as much of it as we could ourselves. Um, the last piece was restretching the carpet because we had cut the carpet to put in the wall, uh, leaving you know carpet undone on both sides of the wall now that needed to be restretched. I figured, how hard can that be? <laughs> Buy one of those power tools, you know those power stretchers. Get on that thing and get that thing stretched out and laid down over that tack strip and cut it and we'll be all right. <laughs> well, it didn't quite work out that way. And I used a straight edge and everything and I was sure I was up against that wall where I needed to make that cut. And I stood up and I looked down and that cut went like this and I had about six inches of carpet away from the wall <laughs> that I needed to stretch. Now, the carpet didn't need stretching before we put the wall in, so it wasn't like loose or bubbly or anything. Sometimes when you have a carpet like that, you can get a couple of inches out of that thing. But knowing that it was cut now and we needed to restretch it, we needed to gain an inch or two, and that was probably in there. I, I had cut easily five, six inches off that thing. And I got on that, I got on that power stretcher and I was working it and I caught my fingers in it while I was slamming it down and oh man, this was not good. I cussed. You know, even, even painting a line, I, I'm very, I, I'm just, I'm AD about this. I'm just, it, a, a, a line has to be straight for me between two colors. You know, whether it's your ceiling meeting your wall or 
a change of color coming around the corner or whatever, my lines have to be straight. Now, I've learned some methods for doing that. I mean getting it razor straight. And I did a good job, but there were some challenges. So there were just different things during the staycation that, that got the better of me. And I began to realize we're all made of flesh. We're all human. And if it wasn't for Jesus. <laughs> so I don't come and stand before you here this morning as a perfect individual. Neither do I have a perfect message. In fact, it's quite surprising the couple of songs that we sang this morning, the first two in particular, preached my message. It really did. I told you I had two questions for you this morning as we begin. Here's the second one. Why have you walked away in the middle of your song? It's not like you. Why have you walked away in the middle of your song? I want to talk to you about the dream killer. The number one dream killer. And then give you three principles to keeping your dreams alive. Here's the dream killer. Setting expectations that are unrealistic or that you put your faith in instead of God. God does not have to back up my expectations. God backs up his word. The times that I've wanted to walk away from my song almost always involved unmet expectations. There's a gentleman in the Bible, and I don't have my little clicker this morning, not due to anything, uh, you know, from staff or so forth, but just because I don't. <laughs> There's a gentleman in the Bible who, his name is Joseph. He was the one of 12 sons of a gentleman who was a great patriarch in the nation of Israel. You've probably heard his name because, of course, he's the one who his father gave the coat of many colors to. And then, uh, I don't know if he was being braggadocious about it or not. It's not completely clear in the scripture what might have been taking place as a family dynamic during this time. But his other 11 brothers got so mad and jealous, they conspired to kill him. And they were going to take his life, murder him. And one of the brothers spoke up and said, guys, look. Let's not murder him. Let's throw him into this pit. <laughs> and they did. And there he sat in a pit that he couldn't get out of in some sort of wilderness type of place. And along comes a band of gypsies through the land. And one of the brothers gets an idea. Why don't we get him out of there and sell him? And they did. And they sold Joseph 
to this band of marauding gypsies. And you know, you've all, uh, again, uh, even if you're not really a churchgoer or that familiar with things, you've heard about this man, Joseph. He spends time in Egypt, and through a series of events, he's exalted, and eventually he becomes ruler over all of Egypt. But it's tempting to only see Joseph's heroic character and achievements. The book of Genesis doesn't tell us anything but the lows and the highs. It, it doesn't talk about, it, it gives us the incidents where he wound up in Egypt and, and some of those things, but it doesn't go into all the lows and highs of what happened during that 12-year period where he was, was imprisoned, where his expectations surely had gone unmet. I have a slide guarding Joseph's call. You'll see down here on the left where he embraces the call of the family. He's shown great favor by his father and then he's sold by his brothers. He was about 17 years of age when that took place. He begins to flourish in Egypt. He's sent to prison. He finds favor with the butler. They bring him out. And eventually he becomes ruler over all of Egypt. But that took over 12 years. 12 years of up and down and rolling mountains emotionally, his circumstances, being accused of raping Potiphar's wife. Imagine the expectations of greatness that he had when he was 17, having been shown such favor by his father, been given the coat of many colors. Life looked good. And then all of a sudden, he's imprisoned in Egypt. He gets out of prison, but then Potiphar's wife accuses, his, uh, accuses him of rape, and he winds up back in prison. And, and, and thus the, the valleys and the rough terrain and so forth. Then they have seven years of famine. Then his brothers return looking for food. And by the age of about 39 or 40, his entire family is standing before him. All 11 brothers who had sold him are standing before him and they're crying together and Joseph is forgiving his brothers and they're reunited. How long did that take? 17 when he was sold by his brothers? 50 when they experienced forgiveness and were brought back together as a family? Sometimes staying focused on your dream sets us on a course where circumstances get worse, not better. There's nothing wrong with being focused on your dreams. Just don't set unrealistic expectations and then begin to put your faith in those expectations, believing God has to, surely God has to bring to pass. Now, if God promised it, if God spoke it, God will do it. 
But between the promise and the realization of it to where you're really walking in it, could be a few years. You remember Abraham? How that God promised childless Abraham a child? The time between that promise and when Sarah bore Isaac was 25 years. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of opportunities, even recently, to leave the stage and to give up in the middle of my song. How about you? The dream killer is unmet expectations. So what do we do about it? Number one, learn to wait on the Lord. <laughs> learn to wait on the Lord. Let me show you something else about Joseph's timeline here. Oh, Psalm 31:24. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. So, Joseph's dreams and betrayal, 1898 B.C. Joseph's put in charge, 1886. What is that, 13 years? Joseph reveals his identity, forgiveness with the family, 1875. Where are you in your timeline of promise? If we go back, can we go back to that previous scripture? Be strong. It's hard to be strong sometimes when you want to quit, when you want to leave your song right in the middle. It's hard to be strong. But we're supposed to be strong and let our heart take courage in what? All you who wait on the Lord. Not bone up on your expectations. Not learn more faith scriptures. Not go to more confession opportunities. Not fast and pray and drill down on it and say to yourself, I'm just not praying hard enough. I'm, I'm not fasting long enough. I'm not in church enough. Whatever it might be that you're trying to do. I, 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 I need to do more. I, I need to get a hold of God. I, I need to touch God. And actually, the Bible says we're to just wait on the Lord. Amen. Now, waiting on the Lord isn't sitting back and doing nothing. Not being involved in your church, you know, not praying, not reading. Your, it all has to do with where am I putting my faith? Where am I putting my hope? In my expectation or in the Lord? There's something about getting alone with the Lord. I found, I found over these three weeks where I would get upset with myself having just made a stupid mistake. Maybe I just wasn't careful. I didn't think through it. I didn't take enough time. I cut the carpet short. How did I do that? I don't even know how I did that. The beautiful thing was to stop 
and not pray or fast or even get out the Bible and read, the thing I needed to do was be quiet and get alone with God and just say, Lord, here I am. And wait on him in his presence. Could we have that uh, next slide from Proverbs chapter 3? For our live stream audience, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Other translations say and he will direct your path. What's number two? The second thing we need to do to redeem our dream is to surrender to the timing of God. The timing of God. Let's go back. I can't do it here, but let's go back to this slide. Look at the timing. From 17 years of age, where he was ready to take the world by storm. His father loved him, favored him, gave him the coat of many colors. How prophetic. My life's going to change. My life will never be the same. And for the next, for the next 35 years, You imagine Joseph wanted to leave in the middle of his song? Do you imagine ever that, that Joseph ever being in the middle of the prison, being naked and chained, being falsely accused, being sold by his brothers, laying in a pit, wondering what was going to happen? Do you, you wonder if Joseph ever thought about giving up on his dream and leaving in the middle of his song? I bet he did. And that is where we need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then do not lean to your own understanding. How many of you have some things in your life right now that you don't understand? I don't even need to raise a hand because it's all of us. If you don't have some things going on in your life right now that you just don't understand, they weren't part of the plan, they weren't part of the original dream, you're not alive. You're dead. You're just eking out an existence. Pinch me. And by the way, it's not unchristian to go through difficulties. Here's something else I want to say to you. It is not a lack of faith to have valleys. Somebody said that's where the character's built. I don't believe I have to have a valley to have character. But I'll tell you what, if it forces me 
like some of these incidents over this past three weeks, to get alone with the Lord and just say, I don't understand. But you do perfectly. And in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make straight your paths. I don't have a prophecy for you this morning. I don't have a word to tell you how to make it all better, and where you ought to go and what you ought to change. You know what I have? Just a simple scripture and three ideas. That number one, we need to wait. And number two, we need to trust. Let God work out the timing. He's just so much smarter than I am. He knows your end from your beginning. There's a reason why certain things aren't happening. Now you can try to bash the door down. You can try to make it happen. God knows over the past three weeks there's some things I tried to make happen. Do you know what that little carpet fiasco cost me? I mean, here I, I had, uh, just like I, I was even, I received instruction. Somebody told me, good friend, gave, gave me advice. Lay your straight edge, cut it along there. The friend will go unnamed, but... Five inches. You can't stretch. So here's what I, I just, I cursed. I had slammed my finger back and oh my gosh, that I, I just rolled back on the carpet holding my hand. Yeah, Nina wasn't home and I wasn't going to tell her about it. I'd rather tell you. You know how that works? You don't want to tell your spouse it's a pride thing. You know, you, don't, you, you, you just look stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an idiot. So, no, no, you, you haven't. She's precious. She's, she's my biggest supporter. So I was holding, literally, this is not, this is not preacher speak. I was holding my head in my hands, calling myself names. I was. And all of a sudden, and I believe this was the Holy Spirit. You, you know the Holy Spirit can speak to you when you're drunk. You know the Holy Spirit can speak to you when you're having a cussing fit. You know the Holy Spirit can speak to you when you're... Oh, wrong hold. That, that's the other. It's this, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's been a while, you know. I, I gave all that up. <laughs> Tempted to go back and leave my song. But I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Call Ron. I know a gentleman by the name of Ron. His last name's True, Ron True, who did all of our flooring in here this flooring that you're looking at here. Ron did. I called him. This was about 3.30 on Friday. I said, Ron, I've got a situation here. And I described to him, you know, 
the wall and I'd cut the carpet and I thought, you know, I'd rent a stretcher and I could just... And Ron, I don't know how I did it. I've got five, six inch strip here of carpet that can't be... And he said, okay, okay, Jeff, it's all right. Do you have any carpet anywhere we can like cut out of a closet or something like that? I said, well, we've got this long strip. It's, the strip's good. He said, well, let me make a few calls. And he called me back, and he had a gentleman there by 10 o'clock yesterday morning who came in, and I invite you all over as a result of this sermon. I just, I want to invite you all over. You don't have to stay. In fact, I'm not going to feed you. I just want, want you to come over, and I want you to, I want you to try to find the patch because he had to patch in the five inches make it match the rest of the carpet and then stretch it and get it all tucked in like it was first time pro pro job Whew, this looks good but it wasn't free <laughs> and I believe that if at any point over the last week in preparing for this piece of the project I had just got before the Lord and waited and trusted and not leaned to my own understanding and tried to figure it all out, that he probably would have either had me call Ron first or, you know, get some help or do something a little bit different than the way I did it and not have to have spent $200. You say, that's, that's not all that much. <laughs> Well, it was when it came out of my birthday money that I had a dream I had plans for. But boy, it looks good now. It looks good now. I was tempted to leave in the middle of my song. There's another gentleman in the Bible. He was a prophet. His name was Elijah. Elijah. He comes to the forefront in the story during one of the most wicked kings ruling over Israel ever. That king was Ahab. God spoke to Elijah and said, you tell, you tell Ahab that there will not be any rain or water from the heavens for the next three and a half years. Total drought. Why is that so significant? Three and a half years? We can weather that storm. Few crops die. No, it wasn't about crops or farming or the cattle. Ahab had led all of Israel into Baal worship. That's what was so evil. And the gods of Baal were all water gods, rain gods. So in that there was not going to be any rain or water for three and a half years, they couldn't turn their heart and worship their false god. They couldn't fulfill all the false expectations of a different god. And boy, did that make Ahab mad. And his wife, you've heard her name, Jezebel. So they went after Elijah. And the Bible says that God spoke to Elijah and led him down to an area 
where it was just a little stream flowing through the area. All there was was a little tiny stream, not a river, just a, just a stream, and some ravens flying through. 1 Kings chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Again, let's read it together. Ready? Read. And I have directed the... Stop. Do you know what a raven is? Well, some sort of kind of big black hawkish bird, big wingspan. But that's not what's important in the story. Ravens were unclean. Ravens weren't part of God's plan for the Jewish people. Jewish people hated ravens. And Elijah, the man of God, <laughs> the man with the prophecies and the dreams, the power of God, is forced to go down to a little brook where ravens, completely outside of the Mosaic Law, completely outside of all of his religious training, were going to feed him and supply him with food where? There. The third principle to keeping your dream alive is never tie your expectation of provision and security to one place or source. And God just might choose something completely outside of your religion, everything you were trained with, everything you know and hold dear, he might use something that heretofore is so, it would have been so anathema to you, so disgusting, and God, to prove he's God, to prove that you cannot trust in any other being but him, and put your hope entirely, leaning not to your own understanding, and waiting on the Lord, God says, I'll feed you there in the most unexpected ways. Let me ask you, has God been challenging you with leaving where you've been and going over there? Can I tell you something? Your next source of provision won't be realized until you leave where you are and you go over there. Why have you walked away in the middle of your song? Thank you. How appropriate was that? Next scripture, please. So, sometime later, the brook dries up. Ever had that happen? 
the place where God told you to go. He was going to provide there. And the ravens came and they were bringing you food daily. It dries up. It changes. All of a sudden, you've been standing. You've been confessing. You've been reading. You've been praying. You've been fasting. And it all dries up. God, this isn't like you. Actually, it's a whole lot like God. Because now I begin to put my trust in the there that he had brought me to, where I was being fed by the raven at the brook. I begin to believe that raven, believe in that raven. I begin to believe in my little brook. And I got the house set up there, and I had my little trinkets out, my curio cabinet, and I, I had set up my bed, you know, and I had everything just so. And this is God's will. This is how God's going to lead me through the rest of my life. This is good. I'm at the brook where the raven's feeding me. And all of a sudden, it just dries up. I don't know about you, but at those times, I begin to beat up on myself. The first questions I begin to ask myself is, Jeff, where do you lack What's wrong with your classical disciplines? Bible reading, prayer. You're not spending enough time with your wife. You're not, and I start looking for sins. Hello, am I alone? <laughs> I start looking for where I've failed God. And it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with God is a jealous God who will not share my love with another and will not dare allow me to trust in anything, including my job, my income, my house where I live, the certain friends that I have, a building we've moved to. God will not allow me to trust in any of it. And the brook dries up and there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord comes and says, Get up, go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Don't even get your expectations set or your faith put in the last word God gave you about your there. Because he might just change it. Now, get this. Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, was where Jezebel grew up. That was the source out of that area of all the corruption that her and Ahab were working and operating in. And it's there that Elijah, Elijah winds up doing the tremendous miracle with the 400 prophets of Baal, where they had to call on their gods to make it rain and put out a big fire that they had erected, a bonfire, this great big bonfire. And Elijah tormented them and tested them and said, let's put together this bonfire. And if your gods are God, then you call on them to put it out to rain. Well, remember who, who the Baal gods were all about. What were they all about? They were rain gods. 
So this was quite a test. And of course, they called on their gods and it didn't rain. And so the campfire was burning. And what's at, what's at risk here? That the word of the Lord, that God himself would come out glorious compared to any other thing in our lives or on this planet. God will not share us or his love with another. So it doesn't rain. And Elijah says, Lord, you can put this thing out. And God sends a deluge and wipes out the fire. Just consumes it. And all of the prophets of Baal. Never tie your expectation of provision and security to one place. So let's review. Number one. If you've been in a place where you've been ready to leave in the middle of your song, here's the three things you need to do to revive your dream. Number one, learn to wait on the Lord. Number two, surrender to the timing of God. God has a plan. Let him work that plan. It may be a while. It might take a few years. And number three, never tie your expectation of provision and security to one place or source.